Dugan and Jana. It's so wonderful to be with you. This is home. And, uh, and I, yeah, don't worry about it. I was thinking to tell you. It's so wonderful to be in my birthplace. Because I was birthed right there in that chair. Glory to God. Oh, man. What? And stuck in it. Amen. I'm surprised I didn't have to wear it to the Philippines. <laughs> didn't think I'd ever get out of it. <laughs> I don't ever dare sit in it anymore. <laughs> How many of you were with, uh, were here when God glued me to that seat? You were there? Yeah. There were several of you here that was, man, I got glued in that thing for four and a half hours. <laughs> or about four, at least four, four, four to four and a half. And uh, then they tried to pick me up out of it, and they couldn't even budge me off the seat. And I was just laying there like a limp rag, and I only weighed about 200 pounds. And four big men tried to pick me up, and they could not move me. Guys, whew, better be careful about sitting in there. You don't know what's going to happen to your life. God will come in and wreck you. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had 60% market share of real estate in uh, Lake Tanglewood. When God wrecked my life. After that, I couldn't even show houses without getting drunk <laughs> in the spirit. <laughs> ah, I guess I'm not going to be a realtor anymore. <laughs> it was terrible. Glory. I'm telling you, that service was unbelievable. I don't know if I can get myself my composure here. I don't really want to get my composure. <laughs> Actually. How many of you came here today to be to receive a change from God? Come on now, let, let me let me ask that question again. How many of you actually showed up here today to hear something from God that would change your life forever? I'm going to wait until I see them hands go up. So, how many? What'd you come here for? If you didn't come here to get changed, you know, you just here on a religious. You know, doing your religious regimen. I mean, I did religious regimen for how many years? 40? 30? Huh? Or did we come here to get a hold of God? Woo! Shanda! We just need to get a hold of God. There's an area of our life that we need to get a hold of God. And, man, when He gets a hold of you, He'll ring you out and make you in something beautiful and new. I mean, something really beautiful and new. Because we're all precious in His sight. We are priceless to God. We're priceless. Each and every one of us. We're priceless. We may not be priceless to us, but we're priceless to Him. He is the pearl of great price. They talk about the Philippines, that it was the pearl of the Orient. But Jesus is the pearl of the Orient. Gushandaba. So I hope you're here today to hear from Jesus. And just get a hold of something from Him today that will change your life forever. Because, you know, I hope, I hope you're not here to just hear me. You know, because um, I don't have a whole lot to say. If, if God ain't saying it, I don't have anything to say. Matter of fact, I'm one of the most boring people you could ever come into contact with. 
honestly. I mean that with all my heart. Ask Jenna and Norman. They know I'm boring. You know why I'm boring? Because I don't have anything to say except about, you know, I, I don't have anything to talk about except evangelism about reaching people for Jesus. And you get around me for a couple of three or four hours, and I'll tell you everything I ever do. And then I hit replay. Next time you see me. Same thing, four and a half hours. Next time you see me. And it goes four and a half hours. So every time you get around me, that's all you can hear out of me. So I, tell me that that's not boring. It's boring, isn't it? <laughs> See, out of the child, out of a child speaks the truth. See? And, you know, I want to be childlike, so I'm just going to be honest with you of who I am. You know, I'm a very boring person. <laughs> you, you think I'm just joking with you, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Anyway, there's something I want to talk to you about today, and, and I just ask the Lord to deliver it. And I think it's really important. It says, who is the greatest? <laughs> who is the greatest? You know, the disciples were wandering around and said, oh, Jesus, who is the greatest of all in the kingdom of God? He says, uh, oh, where are my glasses? My pocket. Okay. Okay. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, I don't know why they said that. You know, what's the point? Who is the greatest? We're all great. Amen? We're all precious in his sight. We're all, all priceless. How much better can you get than priceless? Huh? Huh? How much better can you get than priceless? We're all priceless to him. Did you ever think about that? I didn't. That's the first time I ever heard, I, I ever thought that. Actually, uh, thank you, Lord. That's good. <laughs> you like that, Norman? Glory. If he likes it, that's good. Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless one, you are converted, see, converted, is be, be born again. <laughs> And become as little children. How many of you have been converted and become an adult? An adult? Watch your hands. Wait and see. Huh? You got all mature. Ah? Uh, ah? Uh. <laughs> Don't hold your head up too quickly on that question. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> you don't want to do that. It says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Ooh. You know, that's awesome scripture, isn't it? And, you know, God's talking to us. He says, stay as a little child. You know, it doesn't mean that we're immature and childish, but with childlike faith, listening to the Lord. Amen. Amen. With childlike faith, listening to the Lord, to the voice of the Lord. So that when he, when he speaks to you with childlike faith, you respond. 
you know, what do you say to daddy when daddy says, you know, when you're, you're a little child, like that little child that was sitting over there, and daddy says something to you, and you say, oh. You know, you, that child believes what daddy says. And that's where we need to stay with childlike faith. It's because we're big, robust men, you know, strong men, and, uh, you know, grown women. Just because we're like that does not mean we're not supposed to walk in that childlike faith. Because when Daddy speaks, you've got to respond. And, you know, I, I, I wanna, I'm thinking of a story that I want to I share with you. I want to show you Peter. You know, when Peter was on, he was a fisherman. And he was sitting in his boat, standing or whatever. And Jesus comes up and steps over into the boat and says, Pull me out away from the shoreline so he could speak to the people. And so he did. And he just did, automatically responded to him. And then uh, after he got to speaking to the people, he turned around to, to uh, Peter and he looks at Peter and he says, Pull me out into the deep and drop your net. And Peter, you know, he'd fished all night. He'd already mended his nets and got them all stacked and ready. And that takes hours. If you've ever been with a fisherman, they have to clean the net to get all the trash out of it. You know, it's, it's quite a process. It takes four, five, six hours to do that. They spend half a day doing getting ready for the night's fishing. Then they go home and rest and sleep or whatever and then go back out that night and fish. Amen? See, so Peter, you know, when he said drop the net <laughs> in the middle of the day, Peter goes, but Lord, I fished all night. See, Peter was chairman of the butt club. <laughs> Have any of you ever been chairman of the butt club? <laughs> president? I've been president, chairman, secretary, treasurer. I've filled every position and been one of the actual members for a long, long time of the butt club. But, you know, one thing about Peter, he, he is a man of character. Awesome character. And he says, but as you say, Lord. See, he went out of the natural. He came out of the natural realm and went into the supernatural See, which is what some of us, we've been born again for years, but we're still operating a lot in the natural. You know, me included. You know, I, I operate in the natural some. All of us do some. It doesn't mean everything we do is in the natural. It just means that, you know, sometimes we get over in that natural realm and we just can't see the kingdom of God that... Dorman preaches on all the time. He's preaching on the kingdom of God everywhere. Man, what a what an awesome man of God. You guys are so privileged. Woo! I just wished I could be. I wish you could come to the Philippines and start a church. We'd appreciate you. Do y'all appreciate him? Do y'all appreciate him? Oh my goodness. Do y'all appreciate Dorman? Pastor Dorman? My goodness, there's more people in here than that. Do y'all really appreciate him? Hey, amen! Do y'all appreciate him? 
Come on now. Do you appreciate him? Amen. Awesome man of God. Amen. I just can't get y'all to yell. You need it. This is a football game. What do you do at a football game? Y'all appreciate him? Hey! Wow! Wow! Amen? Of course, I got a mic helping me. So I can sound a little louder. Anyway, uh, you know, Peter dropped the net. What happened? See, because Jesus told him to drop the net. What if, what if he hadn't dropped the net? How many times have we not dropped the net? How many times have we said, but Lord, and just went on? See, but Peter is saying, but as you said, Lord. You know, he couldn't even get away from the word but. But as you say, Lord. See, it's so much instilled in us that we say, oh, but as you say, but, but. But when he did, stepped out of that, that natural realm and stepped into the supernatural realm and spiritual realm, he got to experience the glory of God. Ugh. I mean, man, in your lives, do you want to experience the glory of God by hearing his voice and responding to him? But as you say, Lord, in spite of your natural thinking, but as you say, Lord, in my life, in 1997, I don't ever remember saying but. It was one of them things, you know, once God, God got a hold of me at that time, you know, I think but went out the window. <laughs> I spent many years saying but, being chairman of the but club, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, now I'm saying, yes, Lord, yes, man, yes, sir. <laughs> and doesn't mean I don't, you know, I still say but from time to time, but, uh, you know, when you don't say, when you just do it in obedience, God manifests himself in his, his glory, his power, his anointing, his provision, his divine health. Everything comes upon you. Amen? Childlike faith. Being able to step out. But as you say, Lord. How many of you want to say, but as you say, Lord? Huh? How many of you want to say that? Huh? Huh? Come on now. See? Is God speaking to anybody here? He's speaking to me if he's not speaking to you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Not me. Hit. What are you saying? So, he drops his net. Boy, and a big roar came, you know. And he looks over the side of the boat, and the nets are so full that they're, they're just teeming with fish. You know, this is in the middle of the day. What a miracle. Unbelievable. See? God just said, okay, you do what I tell you to do. You see that? I mean, he's a fisherman. All of a sudden, fishing right in the middle of the day, drops his net. And I mean... You know, he had, to, he had so many fish 
that he'd call out on the shoreline and call all his partners on the shoreline to come and help him empty the nets before they broke the nets and sunk the ship. How many want your ship sunk? Maybe not your ship sunk, but how many want the opportunity to be able to give it away? Give it away. You got so much, you just have to give it away. Wow. What a, man, thank you, God. <laughs> Glory to God. Just give it away. <laughs> this has so many fish that you have to give them away. That's a picture of the end times harvest. See, if out of obedience, if you'll ever step out into the, where God wants, you know, he says, go, 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 therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't say of Hereford, Texas. He said of all the nations. Go. If you'll ever step out there. Now, (laughs) I'm perfectly aware that the whole group, this whole church can't go. Amen. But you can go. You can go. You've got ways of going. I'll tell you more about that later. Okay, Callie and I moved to the Philippines, and several things have happened over the years. Last time I saw you, I told you, I think I told you all that we were not itinerating anymore. And the Lord brought us to a point in our walk with him where he said, I've got to get my breath, man. Whew. He says, <laughs> he told us, uh, I, w- I was about to get ready to, this is about four and a half years ago, I was getting ready to set up my itinerary. An itinerary is where you set up churches like, you know, y'all and, and a bunch of different pastors all over the place, and you go and you itinerate. You go around and speak in all the churches, and you're raising money to, to take care of your expenses as a missionary in the Philippines. So, every year I'd come back and spend three months, wear us out. We'd speak in about 60 different places every year. Just wear, <laughs> you was on the road all the time, all over the place. You remember that, don't you? Just wearing myself out. And uh, the Lord says, stay home. I got 18000 in rent due, dollars, in rent due, in about two and a half months, and God says, stay home. Now, where in the world is it going to come from? (laughs) So I said, but Lord! But as you said, Lord. Actually, I don't even remember saying but. When he said said that, I just remember thinking, well, I don't know. I couldn't imagine how he was going to do it, how it was going to happen. But I wasn't about to set, pick up the phone and set one date because the Lord told me not to. I wasn't about to. Man, talk about unblessed, you know. You know, you don't want to be guilty of doing something God tells you not to do. Amen? Even though we all do it. (laughs) Guilty as charged. Amen? But on this particular instance, (laughs) I said, as you said, Lord, and so I stayed home. Okay. So the two and a half months goes by. And man, the money just poured in. Now. <laughs> uh, 
April 30th, the day before the rent's due, I called Callie. All right, I, I, I woke up that morning, and I got my billfold out, and I was going to go down to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. And I can get a cup of coffee at Starbucks much cheaper than you. It cost me like less than $2 for, for a grande. It's about $4 and something over here for the same thing. So I, anyway, I was going down there to have some coffee, and, and I opened my billfold. <laughs> butterflies. Malls. <laughs> you know, there wasn't anything in there. Not even a centavo. Centavo, it takes 100 centavos to make one peso, 50 pesos to make $1. Okay, 100 centavos. I didn't even have a centavo for a peso. So I looked in the cash box. There was a cash box on the other side of the bed, and I went over there, opened the thing up. Not a thing in there. And so I lifted the tray up, the secret compartment. Looked around. (laughs) There was nothing in there. (laughs) This is the day before $18,000 is due. So I called downstairs. I said, Callie's got some money. She was uh, at the, in the kitchen, and she, didn't ha- she couldn't find a penny. In, or she said, I have no money. I just paid all the help. I said, was there any money in the bank? She says, no, I just paid all the help. Was there any money in the bank overseas? She says, no, I just had all it shipped over here so I could pay the help. <laughs> so... I was the brokest I'd ever been in my whole life. I'd never have a time in my life I didn't have a penny to my name. Speaking on it in uh, American terms, a penny. I did not have a penny to my name. The day before all the rent's due, and God told me two and a half months earlier, you know, to, to not go. So to make a long story short, the next day come, First thing I did is call the landlord and tell him that I wasn't going to be coming in. And I told him, well, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to supply it sometime quick. And they said, and they were very gracious about it. And over there, they're not very gracious towards rent. And so uh, they were very gracious, though. And over the next two weeks, to you know, without filling in all the details... Uh, over the next two weeks, $28,000 came in. One guy sent $10,000 I hadn't heard from in, what, five years? Never sent us a penny before. Sent a check for $10,000 during that time. We did not call anybody. Hello? See, we didn't step out of the natural or out of the supernatural and into the natural and start trying to do it ourselves. I called. Did you get a call from me during that Saying, this, uh, this is home right here. So if, if I was going to call anybody, I'd call Daddy. Say, Daddy, I have no rent money. See, but I didn't even call Daddy, so. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. It just rolled in from all over the place. $28,000. Paid the rent, paid our overhead. Everything was taken care of. This, four and a half years later... And during that time, I've never come back and itinerated. I've been back here two and a half years ago. We were raising money for a mission center. And, uh, you know, that, that all went defunct. I'm lying. 
Anyway. Okay, now, when God told me that, I had a choice, being in the natural realm and or being walking, stepping into the supernatural realm and saying, yes, Daddy. In other words, walking in childlike faith, believing God when he says, don't do it, stopping right there and not do it. Because I was used to doing things, you know, that made sense. And that didn't make a bit of sense not coming home. How many of you can witness with what I'm saying? Can you witness with it, what, with what I'm saying? You know, stopping and, and, and then just doing what God tells you to do. <laughs> it goes against your natural mind. See? And then, so here, here's another thing come up. So two and a half years ago, the Lord told me, on, in, it was in the last part of March, and this was 30 days before the rent's due. I don't know why he always picks those dates right before the rent's due. And he, I, didn't, I didn't have two pesos in my pocket, right? I didn't have any money. And he says, go buy a house. He didn't say a mission center. He didn't say anything like that. He just said, go buy a house. And so I had to step out like Peter. I had to step out out of my natural mind and start calling people. And, you know, I was a former realtor for years. And I knew what those realtors were going to think when I called them. And I'd call them up and I'd say, okay, uh, ma'am, yeah, I'm, this is Tony Poole. I'm at Dunamis International School of Missions, and we're looking for a house. We're wanting to look for a house. I want 800 square meters on a house approximately. That's about 8,000 square feet. And I want a 1,000 square, square meter lot, which is a big, big lot. And... And I want it for under $20 million, which is about probably $400,000, say. Because this is a mission center. It's not a house for us to live in. It's a mission center. And, of course, we're going to live there in one of the rooms, you know. But uh, <laughs> And they'd say, well, how much money you got, sir? Boy, like clockwork, every one of them. How much money you got? Well, I don't have any money, but the Lord told me. What do you think? I never heard another word from any of them. Yeah. I was in real estate business for, you know, if you called me up and told me the same thing, i said, oh, okay, sir. Well, I'll look around and see what I can come up with. Boy, I'd move on. <laughs> now, of course, I don't know if I'd have done that if a Christian called me up and said that, you know. But I know as a, in the natural, I wouldn't have called them back. You know, if that guy was crazy enough to think something like that, it's going to happen. I just would not go there. Because, you know, I had to make a living. <laughs> so I didn't want to go play, play uh, showy houses, you know. And so, anyway, two Christian ladies come from a pastor friend of mine's church. And they, they asked me what all I wanted and everything. They asked me the same questions. And I told them, I said, God's going to take care of it. And, they, man, they went to looking. They just stepped right in there with me. And they sold a the house. And Lord knows, I did, had no way of buying a house. If you got two pesos, you know, over there you have to put 20% down, minimum. Minimum down. Uh, it's not 5%, 10%, it's 20% minimum. And you got to qualify just like you do over here. Well, here I am, a ministry, a nonprofit ministry. 
the likelihood of getting a loan was about 20 million to one. And so, but we found this house while we were out looking. Um, and we didn't have any clue, you know. Uh, when they bro- drove me up in front of it, it looked like a dump. And I thought, I told the realtors, I said, well, um, I don't, I don't want to see that. And they said, but sir, you know, we've made an appointment. And so they, so they went ahead and had me go look at it. And to make a long story short, uh, we figured out that that was something we wanted. And we negotiated a deal, okay? And when we negotiated that deal, is it, am I boring y'all? Okay. I just want to make sure. <laughs> don't, don't say yes if I am. Anyway, we negotiated that deal. And then you guys saw me. That's when we come back. Uh, we come back here looking uh, to raise the money to go buy the place. And so many things happened. Uh, a, a pastor was supposed to set me up a whole bunch of places to itinerate. That didn't pan out. And Callie and I came, and we <laughs> found out we didn't have a schedule after we got here. And so I didn't itinerate at all. And uh, the only places I spoke was here and in Oklahoma the whole time we were here. And the Lord, we raised $90,000. Now, prior to that, we'd spend three months. We'd raise maybe twenty, twenty-five thousand. 25000 We raised $90,000, paid all our debts off, and went back to the Philippines with $60,000 to buy a house. So I negotiated with the guy for a couple of weeks trying to get him to carry the paper because I knew I couldn't qualify. Then one day he hands me a card. He says, call this man. He'll make you a loan. It was his brother, president of Sterling Bank of Asia. And they made us this fabulous loan on that property. They even carried the down payment I didn't have for that year. And during that year, all the money came in to pay all the rest of that down payment. We closed the deal in record time. Totally astonished the realtors, everybody involved in the deal. They could not believe it. And after we, uh, after we bought it, we remodeled the place, and it turned into a palace. Absolute gorgeous man. You're going to see it on the video here in just a minute. And that thing was so pretty. And it cost... Uh, Anyway, uh, one of the significant things was all the remodeling was taken care of. That is, the Lord supplied the money. Uh, all the remodeling was cheaper. By You know, like we did $50,000 worth of work on that property, bringing it up, and it, cost, it would cost 400000 here minimum to do the same thing. And so the place got complete, and we did not owe a penny on all that remodeling. And after the year, that one year went by, uh, all, the, all, that, all we got is one house payment on that thing now. And I got a 7.5% loan in a market where 11% is what you get on new houses over there. 7.5%. I mean, God, 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 all the way. Okay, we got through with all the remodeling, and I set out, set out on the back veranda of the house and overlooking the yard, and I said, It's finished. This was five months after we moved in. And so the, that morning after, after we uh, finished, that morning at uh, 4.30 in the morning, uh, God woke Callie up and said, I want you to get those uh, prophecies out and listen to them. 
And there was a prophecy given over us in 1998. And that was the one that God was directing us to. And so he told Callie three days in a row to get that out. Finally, she said, okay, Lord. And she went and looked for it, went right straight to it. And the prophecy was like this. It said, property, property on foreign soil will be released to you and resurrected in the very name of the working of your ministry. And that prophecy was given in December the 18th, 1998, before I even, you know, I knew where the Philippines was because I'd been there in 97. But before we even knew we were going to be missionaries in the Philippines or anywhere, and that prophecy was given over us. And that release, that word released, was an, is a real estate term. It's not a real estate term. It's a legal term. And the whole deal was contingent right up until it closed on the... Uh, the owner getting a release of a civil lawsuit from his daughter. And the last instrument signed was a release. So it was released to us and resurrected in the very name of the working of our ministry, Dunamis International School of Missions Training Center. So it was God's prophecy 10 years before we ever got it. That's why it all worked like that. And we, But, you know, what if I'd have said, what if the Lord told me, li- listen to me. Because there's a message here. What if the Lord told me to go buy a house and I just sit there and say, oh, two pesos, I mean, I'll go buy a house. See, I had to step out, out of my natural mind, (laughs) in the supernatural, and even though it was embarrassing for me to make those calls, knowing, you know, I mean, those people are going to think I'm crazy. How many of you know when you start talking spiritually, to people they think you're crazy because the natural man knoweth not the things of the spirit of god you know the very thing that happened there is it it took us to another level it wasn't just about getting a mission center but now we're training pastors and leaders to train their churches in evangel in an evangelism tool that absolutely is rocking the philippines it's a powerful tool that god gave me five weeks after we went to the philippines and so we bring them there to the mission center and train them for three days. It's all free to them, the, the, the stay, the food. We feed them for three days and all the materials. The, we give them away a little Bible and, you know, a witnessing Bible and the whole thing. The whole package is free. And they'll come and they'll in, when they leave there after three days, they are totally transformed with a whole new vision. It's like they have a paradigm shift in their brain. And they go back to their churches training their people, and they have evangelism explosion break out in their churches, and their churches just grow and prosper. And guys that were starving are now starting to have money for ministry, uh, you know, basically an abundance for every good work because they're doing what God called them to do. They're going. See, they're going right there in their communities. They're reaching the lost. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be reaching the lost. Amen. So anyway, let's show the video. Can you take that and start the video? But this is about stepping into your childlike faith, guys. That's that's the message that God gave me to give to you today. For you to listen to the Lord. Become a reality. And it, you know, it... You think to yourself, you know, why do you have such an elaborate mission 
deal. Well, we're, we're dealing with God's elite, elect, the pastors. And, the, and these guys, many of them have concrete floors, dirt floors that they live on. Some of them live in a one-bedroom apartment. And it's a one-bedroom uh, place, one bedroom in a house where there's families, other families living in the house. They all share the ki- same kitchen and the same bathroom. And those are our pastors. So much poverty that they, they can't, you know, they can't buy a house. They can't, I mean, they can only dream of having a nice place to live. And that's what God's really put in our heart is to give them the weapons of warfare so that they can really build their church. See, we're an arms dealer is what we are. We're a really are an arms dealer for the body of Christ. We're bringing the weapons of warfare, baptism of the Holy Spirit for those that are not baptized in the Spirit. We get them empowered when they're in the school. And then we teach them a powerful soul-winning technique. And then we teach them about discipleship and teach them after they've trained a group in their church what to do after the training. See, because if you just train the people all to be soul winners, but you don't, you don't teach the pastor how to lead his people into combat, it's like training an army and not having any uh, military, uh, not having any uh, leadership, and the army's just going to disperse. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you don't have leaders and stuff to lead them into, onto, evan- like evangelism exercises... If the pastor's not doing that and not walking with them, then ni- neither the evangelism or the discipleship will will work or do any good to the church. And so we really drill it into them for three days. And, I mean, it's powerful. Let me tell you how, give you one example. I'm just going to give you an example of that. Is one pastor came from an island of 27,000 people. And he came up from, uh, and th- I mean, this story is like, multiplied by hundreds and even thousands because we've got 5,000 alumni at Dunamis International School of Missions. Give God a hand. Amen. I mean, that, that, it's just amazing what God's done over the last eight years since we've been there. But, but this one pastor come up and uh, he took the training, went back to his island, trained 13 people in his church. 13. You know, it's like, imagine just training 13 of you. Okay, they went out in four days, won 1,300 people on that island. Now, that, that, that was the beginning. And then the priest got a hold of the, what was going on, and they, they you know, called him everything and a thief and a witch, witch doctor and everything else. You know, the priest went crazy. And then they called a special mass and started sprinkling the people to, get, uh, for, to not be born again. Yeah, sprinkle holy water. Oh, don't be born again. Don't be born again. Don't be born again. Can you imagine that? And so, you know, this pastor, you know, he's a little bit on the bold side. Amen? A little bit on the bold side. And if you saw a picture of him, he was in one of those, he was on one of those videos. If you actually knew who he was, you'd look at him and say, oh, no, that guy couldn't do that. Anyway, he trains these 13 people. They went 1,300. In retaliation to what the priests were doing, he trained 13 more. Yeah. And so they go out and win 1,200 in their first four days. So now you've got 2,500. That's 10% of the population of the island. He's, the priest's got problems. Anybody agree? 
26 powerful, avid soul winners in that church. He's got problems. They've got problems. Scoot over. You know, matter of fact, leave. <laughs> That's what they're going to say. You know, glory to God. If they're going to preach, if they're going to preach that kind of gospel, don't be born again. Don't be, you know, we need to make them leave, not scoot over. Amen. Okay. So, and pastors over in Legatsby heard, which is about eight hours from there, they heard about this. And they called him up and had, had him come to Legatsby. And so he has to take boat ride and bus trip to Legatsby. It takes about eight, eight hours. He goes over there, trains 17 people in, the, in this guy's church. They go out and I think they had a five-day practicum. I mean, they really, they really wanted to hit. They, you know, some people are just more, you know, they're just hungrier. They're, they're wanting more. So these guys go out and do five practicums. Practicums are evangelism exercises. Okay, that's, that's what a practicum is. They do five of them. They made 938 presentations, won 3,140 people to the Lord in Legatsby. That's just five days. Now, the practicums are like two and a half to four hours long. Now, the ones we do in our school are two and a half hours maximum. Sometimes they do two. And so we, when we bring in a class of pastors, if we've got 20 pastors, they, make, they, have, they are required to make 20 presentations during the school. Okay. They average two to one. Two souls for every presentation made. That's the average over seven years of doing this. Two to one. So, you know, it's not refutable. I, uh, that's not refutable. I mean, it is, that's the way it is. Two to one. Sometimes it's three to one. If you notice, 928 presentations into 3,140, 3, that's three to one. Powerful tool, guys. So, they, anyway, so... They're going to minimum in our school win 800 people. But most of the time they win 1,500 with 20 people. They'll win 1,500, sometimes 18, 2,000. About double what I'm telling you. But we know when I'm sitting there talking to those pastors, I say, okay, over the next, you know, I, I count the number, and if there's 20 of them, I say, okay, over the next uh, three days, you guys are going to win 800 people plus. And at the end of that time, they've won twice that many. Just blows their mind. <laughs> and they realize that when they go back to their church and train their people, that they're going to get the same kind of results. Because when, when their people go out on a practicum, if there's 10 of them, and we train them to only, we teach them to only train 10. Because they can't handle, it's like Peter. There's so many fish, it'll break the net, sink the ship. So they can't handle it all. So we have to teach them to not train the whole church at one time. Now, eventually, over a period of time, and as the church has expanded and grown, they have to grow into it. But, you know, for six months at least, they just need to work with the ten and take them out on evangelism exercises about once every two or three weeks. And, uh, you know, maybe once a month. Because they can't handle any more than that because they've got to disciple those people after... They've got to bring them in, disciple them through cell groups and stuff so that they'll be added to the church. So that's, that's the whole program. I mean, that's what it's all about. Anyway, this, um, what God's put on my heart is to have this in every church 
every pastor on the planet. Are you all with me on that? Every church on the planet. And so it's not going to be sold because it is absolutely priceless. The, you cannot measure souls with a price. It's a priceless thing. And so there's no way in the world I'd sell it. You know, I won't sell it to the rich guys, and I won't sell it to the... I absolutely wouldn't sell it to the poverty guys. There's no way. You know, I don't care if the church got 20,000 members. It's free for them just like it is for the, the little pastor with 30 members. And God told me that the day of the 50-man church is coming to an end. coming to an end this place is going to be full but you know what it needs it needs availment of somebody somebody has to avail themselves to get the training and bring it back and train your people somebody has to do that God's not looking for your talents abilities uh, otherwise he would have never called me God's not looking for that He's looking for your availability. If you're available, he'll use you. And if you learn how to walk in that childlike faith, and only you can do that. I can't do it for you. I can tell you what some of the things that God's done in me. But only you. Has this message about childlike faith spoke to anybody in here today? Man, it spoke to me. You know, spoke to me. Uh, I want to tell you one story, and then we're going to be through, okay? Because I know you guys are ready for the chicken and stuff, you know. Praise the Lord and pass the chicken, amen? Good Baptist. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> How many of you have been Baptist? <laughs> I'm holding my hand. Up. Praise the Lord and pass the chicken. Anyway, uh, there were some, some missionaries Back, uh, I don't know. I, unfortunately, I don't know the what what book I read it in. I wish I did. I could tell you, but there was some, there was four or eight missionaries that trained. And I, if if somebody recognizes the story and knows where that came from, I sure would like to hear it. But they uh, they went to school, and you know they they trained in seminary for four years. They got through with the school. All of them graduated. And then they started looking for support so they could go and all be missionaries. They didn't get support from their home church. They didn't get support from mission groups. They couldn't find support from anywhere. Ah, I've heard that story a few times. I've lived it. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I did get some support, but it wasn't from mission groups or churches. You know, I mean, churches overall. It wasn't from my home church. See? And these guys, you know, they had no support. So they drew lots. Oh, they drew lots. Listen to this. They, each one of them took a lot, you know, and there was four that went. And, of course, back then they took their caskets with them because they knew they'd never be back. Whew. You think I've got... That Kelly and I have, if you think we've got any commitment or anything, nothing compared to these guys back then. Nothing. You know, I'm just living my dream, you know, the dreams that God's put in my heart. 
I'm just living it, and I'm having a blast doing it. I mean, a good night. You think I don't love teaching those pastors and stuff? I mean, good gracious, what a sacrifice. <laughs> Give me a break. I wouldn't trade places with anybody, I, I'm telling you. Anyway, these guys put their, they take their, you know, their casket with them and go abroad. Well, the other four stayed behind. And you know what they did? They took on jobs. They took on jobs to support the poor that went, that went abroad. They sacrificed their life, their dreams, everything. You know, who in the world had the commitment? The guys that went with the caskets or the guys that stayed behind and went? But they, they had to stay behind and work. And they sowed their lives into those missionaries. So who in the world got the commitment? Is it the guys with the, that sowed into the mission field or the guys that's going and meeting their dreams and getting to go do what God's called them to do? So, man, I just can't imagine what kind of commitment that took to stay behind. Anyway, uh, y'all, we passed out an envelope to each of you. There's, there's, there's a, a uh, I'm sorry, brochure. And uh, give me an envelope, honey. Okay. Thank you, brother. Man. I'm sorry. Every time I tell that story, <laughs> it just knocks me on my face. Uh, this is a covenant partner gift information. You know, 13 out of... You know, in the world today, 13 out of 14 people you see is lost. So when you drive over to Amarillo and go in front of Westgate Mall and you see the, all those cars, just think about it. Divide them all by 13 or 14. And you get a picture of what this world's like. You go to some parts of the world, there's just nobody. Nobody's safe, hardly. 500 million born-again Christians on the planet of 7 billion. So we've got a big job in front of us. I'm going to do it all my, the rest of my life. I'll do everything I can to reach as many as I can for the rest of my life. And you can go. You can go through us if you want to. Amen? Amen. Anyway, uh, there's uh, boxes there that says you, you, know, you can give whatever amount you want to on a monthly basis. You can support this ministry, and we need monthly support. Believe you, after four and a half years of being not itinerating, you know, people fall off. Because, you know, I send a newsletter out, and I think our newsletter is getting more and more very... Don't you think they're improving? Because uh, we started sending it out by email, and the email newsletter is so much more awesome than the, uh, the, paper, ba- the paper, you know, the one you mail, the hard copy. And so because uh, you're just able to put more information. The pictures are more crisp and beautiful. And so... Guys, if you want to be a partner, fill out this envelope and put 
your name and, and address, phone number, and email address if you've got one. That's really good if you've got one. If you don't and you want the email, to receive our newsletter, just make sure and put your name and address and everything. Put church home on there. Put hard copy if you do, if you if you don't have an email address. Put hard copy. Just write hard copy down on the bottom. And uh, anyway, and you can give uh, one-time gifts or monthly. We really need some monthly support. We need one-time gifts also. And I, one more thing, I'm going to tell you about. And I'm, I'm almost reluctant to tell you about it because we really need some su- support right now, just for our trip, but and some other things, but. Uh, we we set up a founders club. The Lord told me to set this founders club up this year, and I'm going to be sending out letters all over the world. Uh, and it's you know for people that want to would like to see the mission center paid off. We only owe two hundred forty nine thousand or something like that on it. Two hundred forty nine thousand dollars. It's a million dollar facility, guys. Imagine that. I had two pesos. Two pesos. And they got a million-dollar facility. I mean, I'm so blessed, my goodness. But I have a $249,000 note on that thing. And it's taken away from our ability to go do the things we need to do. Because um, anytime you have to pay rent, you know, in, in your own life, you could do more if you didn't have a rent payment or a house payment. If you didn't have those house payments, wouldn't it be nice you could buy a new vehicle? We need, you know, we got 2,000 model cars. They're all great and wonderful, and they'll probably last us another four, five, six years or ten years. I don't know how long they'll last. But, and they're great cars, and we praise God for them. You saw the two vans that come in front. And we are so blessed to have those cars and stuff. We had three suitcases and, uh, or six suitcases and three carry-ons when we hit the Philippines. We had $12,000, <laughs> $12,000 bucks. And we had a car paid for, that one van. One of those vans was paid for. And uh, one year's advance rent. That's all we had when we hit the Philippines. We didn't have a teaspoon, <laughs> not anything. And God has just, I mean, that, that place is fully furnished. It's furnished beautifully. It's all paid for. Isn't God good? You know, but we got, hey, man, we got a lot to do in the future. So if you want to be a part of seeing that happen and help us make it happen, you know, I've got places. I, I need to be in Africa. I need to be in, you know, all over Africa. I need to be in different Middle East. I need to be in Egypt. I need to be, you know, in South America. I need to be all over the place. And, you know, but one thing, if you know, when we get the video training completed, it's going to be on the Internet. It's going to be available for everybody, and I won't have to go all over the place. I'll still need to go a few places, but uh, just pray I can get all that done. Amen. Traffic, whatever it's called, air traffic control place. And I saw you in that place, and you were training those people to watch the radar. You wasn't flying the plane, and you wasn't doing the radar. You're just training. Yeah. And you're coming to place in your life. That's what you need to concentrate on, yeah. and not going to Africa, and yeah. not going all these places. You need to spend your time training those people that watch the radar. Yeah, amen. So stay out of the planes. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I can do that all the uh, way, but yeah. I'm going to do it as much as yeah. possible. Because I don't a, want to travel all over the world. I got things well, you to do can't. where I'm at. You can't do it. You know, but uh, you know, as I get that video done, yeah. that's going to go in my stead. Yes. Amen.
Okay? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this ministry. We thank you, Lord, that we've watched it from its time of Tony sitting there in that chair and me trying to move him and couldn't until what you've done in his life. And now, Lord, we've watched your grace, and we know, God, what you start, you'll finish. And we thank you, Lord, for letting him be a part of our lives. And, Father, we just ask you just bless it and continue to bless it. And, Lord, I just thank you today for just meeting all their needs, and you, you always have and you always will. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember the special offering back there for them today and take your thing home, pray, pray over it. Okay, you're dismissed. <laughs>